No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we're going to see that from his deathbed, Israel blesses his 12 sons, although some of these blessings sound more like a curse. We hope you'll join us now as Pastor Daryl continues in Genesis chapter 49 on Simply the Bible. At 147 years of age, Jacob was dying, and he wanted to impart last words to his sons. We pick it up in Genesis 49. And Jacob called his sons and said, Gather together, that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. Gather together and hear, you sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel your father. When people are passing from this life, there is a great desire to gather their loved ones around them. This brings comfort, closure, and leaves a legacy for future generations. Jacob had a large family of 12 sons and an unknown number of daughters. Now he gathers his sons around him to tell them what will come upon them in the last days. Jacob begins with the six sons of Leah. Verse 3, Reuben, you are my firstborn my might and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power, unstable as water. You shall not excel because you went up to your father's bed. Then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. Jacob's opening words to Reuben indicate a father's highest hopes for his son, that he would reflect his father's might, strength, dignity, and power. But Jacob's next words must have cut Reuben deep to the heart. Unstable as water, you shall not excel. No son would ever want to hear those words coming from the lips of his father. And why would Reuben never excel? Because he defiled his father's bed by sleeping with Bilhah, Jacob's concubine. As he is speaking, Jacob switches to the third person as if to bring Reuben's charge to the jury of his peers, or else because Jacob himself still can't believe it. He went up to my couch. At the time that this sordid affair happened, when they were still in Canaan and Joseph was still at home, Jacob didn't say anything. But now he brings it up on his deathbed. For this sin, Reuben was disqualified from receiving the right of the firstborn. And history would confirm that Reuben and his descendants never excelled in Israel. Not a single national leader arose from Reuben. What does it mean to be unstable as water? We read in James 1.5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Faith says that whatever problem I face, God has the best solution. And that solution presents itself to me by me asking God for wisdom. If I ask for wisdom, then I must believe that God will give it to me and not doubt, 
Because if I doubt, then I am double-minded and unstable in all my ways. A double-minded, unstable person is unfit to lead others. Therefore, Reuben, who was unstable as water, could not be trusted with the responsibility of the firstborn son. Verse 5, Simeon and Levi are brothers. Instruments of cruelty are in their dwelling place. Let not my soul enter their council. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they hamstrung an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Simeon and Levi were united as brothers, but one in cruelty. When Dinah, their sister, was raped in Shechem, they deceived all the male inhabitants of the city and then murdered them. When Jacob rebuked them for this, they justified their actions. So now Jacob says, Let my soul not enter their council. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. In other words, let their sin be on their own heads. I want no part of it. Rather than giving them a blessing here, Jacob curses their fierce anger and cruel wrath. In their self-will, he says, they hamstrung an ox. Hamstringing an ox describes a practice of cutting the tendons behind the knee, thus crippling the animal. It was clearly an act of cruelty. As a result, Jacob says that they would be scattered in Israel. Later, when the land of Canaan was divided, Simeon was largely disintegrated with its land inside that of Judah's. And Levi would have no inheritance but be scattered in cities throughout Israel. While anger is an attribute of God and can make one righteously indignant, often our anger is selfish and sinful or degenerates into resentment and bitterness. James tells us, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. When someone ticks me off, I feel so righteous and so justified. But I must remind myself that God doesn't need my anger to accomplish his will. I try to give myself a cool down period and really pray about the situation before acting or giving someone a piece of my mind. Some people have given away so many pieces of their mind that there's little intelligence left. Outbursts of wrath or fits of rage, these are works of the flesh and disqualifies a person from spiritual leadership. While Simeon and Levi were next in the birth order, they were disqualified from the rights of the firstborn because of their fierce anger and cruel wrath. However, we see God's grace in choosing Levi to be the tribe of priests. And Moses was a Levite. The beautiful quality of grace is that it gives us an opportunity to change from being disqualified to being approved. Verse 8. Judah, you are he whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down. He lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall rouse him? 
The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. As Israel comes to Judah, there is a marked difference in his tone. Judah would evoke praise from his brothers, for that's what his name means, praise. His hand would be on the neck of his enemies, meaning that he would subdue them. His brothers and sisters would bow down before him. Judah also had a bad start. It was his suggestion to sell Joseph as a slave. And after his wife died, he sought comfort in a prostitute. Then later discovered that she was Tamar, the widow of his deceased son, whom he had neglected to give to his son, Shelah. He confessed that she had been more righteous than him. And this began a change in Judah. His blue ribbon act was when he offered to become a slave for life to free his brother Benjamin. Thus, he proved to be a strong and self-sacrificing leader. Israel compares Judah with a lion in all stages of life. As a whelp or cub, he springs forth with great vitality. As a mature lion, he pursues and captures his prey. And as an older lion, he lies down and no one can rouse him. Probably the most significant prophecy of all of Israel's last words is verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. The scepter was the symbol of authority. Judah would bring forth the kings, although this would not happen for another 640 years. It wouldn't be until King David that the scepter would come to Judah, but once it did, it would remain with Judah until the coming of Shiloh, and then the people would obey him. What is meant by the word Shiloh? Some translate it as meaning him to whom it belongs, but the Hebrew word comes from a root word meaning rest or tranquility. It is evident that it speaks of Jesus Christ, the one who would be called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. The scepter would be passed down from generation to generation in Judah until it would ultimately come to Shiloh, the one who gives us rest. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. He has completed the work of our salvation. When we believe in him, our righteousness comes not from our own works, but as a gift from God. Have you received his righteousness by faith? Have you entered into his rest? Israel also said, And to him shall be the obedience of the people. Christ is our king, deserving of our obedience. Is he Lord of your life? Verse 11, Binding his donkey to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine, he washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine and his teeth whiter than milk. This probably speaks of the prosperity of Judah. Usually you wouldn't bind your donkey to the vine because it would consume your crop of grapes. But Judah has no such concern for grapes are plentiful. In fact, they are so plentiful that he can wash his clothes in wine. Brown eyes and white teeth were considered attractive. But beyond all this, 
This prophecy points to Jesus who would make his triumphal entry into Jerusalem riding on a donkey and who would wash away all our sins with his own blood. Verse 13, Zebulun shall dwell by the haven of the sea. He shall become a haven for ships and his border shall adjoin Sidon. Zebulun would bring forth the seafarers bordering the Sea of Galilee and Sidon on the Mediterranean. Issachar is a strong donkey lying down between two burdens. He saw that rest was good and that the land was pleasant. He bowed his shoulder to bear a burden and became a band of slaves. In contrast to Zebulun, who liked to go out, was Issachar, who was content to remain in the land of his inheritance. He was a strong donkey, a beast of burden. Lying down between two burdens would seem to indicate that he enjoyed the rest that came after a hard day's work. But his passivity would ultimately lead to enslavement. Six suns down, six to go. This reminds us that we will all one day stand before the judgment seat of Christ, where we will be rewarded for the good and bad things we have done. Thank God. If we trust in Jesus Christ, then we are saved by his blood. But our works will be judged by this one who sees everything. This calls us to make wise choices today. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Sackman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. It meets Sunday mornings at 1030 at Pepper Ridge Elementary School in Boise. To listen to any of Pastor Daryl's teachings or to find out more about the church, go by their website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. We'd love to hear from you. Tomorrow we're going to see where Israel blesses his remaining sons, gives instructions about his burial, and is gathered to his fathers. We hope you'll join us as we continue in Genesis on Simply the Bible.